I'm Alon Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. This is a song uh, I want to write for women. It's about a woman I know. Got tired of being married, just went to Reno. Got it all taken care of. It's called Stop in Nevada. He always found it hard to take her. She wouldn't listen to advice And though he never tried to make her She often thought it would be nice Oh, and now she's heading out to California It's been a long time coming But she's feeling like a woman tonight all and welcome to another episode of the greatest podcast of all time billy joel a to z today we are discussing a song no one knows entitled stop in nevada and as a quick note it is completely possible that dave Juska will probably be referring to it multiple times as next stop nevada is that a movie from 1974 nope it's just what i do i mispronounce songs and i kept looking it up as next stop nevada and i couldn't find anything and i'm like what is the why is there nothing written about this and then i was pronouncing it wrong so it could happen anyway stop in nevada is the seventh song off of billy joel's second studio album piano man which was released on november 9th 1973 It appears on nothing else in the Billy Joel catalog and doesn't even appear on the Piano Man Legacy Edition bonus disc, which includes Nocturne, for God's sake. (laughs) All that information may give you a hint to where our boys might place it in their rankings this episode. Alan Altman, can you guess where our New York Magazine correspondent Christopher Bonanos places this little known Billy Joel song of a very well-known album? I feel like this is one of those songs in the 80s. So I'm going to say 84. You are way off. It's at 106. And of course, he says, why is a guy from Long Island writing a fake Western song? Inauthentic. And it shows he hates this song. Oof. And quite frankly, uh, I'm kind of sick of the w- w- what is with this guy and his Western motif. Anyway, Glenn Gamboa has it at 90. And the fans, ironically, or I don't know if that's the right word, but uh interestingly ranking at 54 a big quite the departure from the other fellas well it's a good song well here's something that happened to me yeah i definitely never heard it before in my life and i didn't like it at first but this billy joel is so terrific even the bad ones it's you know it brings you you know then i'm like ah you know he did it again i like it but glenn (laughs) so i'm saying to myself i'm listening to it and I wasn't reading any of their blurbs. And I'm just like, wow, this sounds a lot. This reminds me of meatloaf. And uh, Glenn Gamboa wrote, then I saw in his blurb, I, I was writing it down. It sounds like meatloaf. And then I looked at the blurb and it said, dipping his toe in rocking operatic drama, which meatloaf would take over the top a few years later to tell the story of a wife fleeing a bad relationship. Yeah, that's a good point. That is what it is. It's very operatic and dramatic. Those choruses that gets real bombastic bombastic mr bombastic 
<laughs> yeah, it, it is very meatloaf-esque, like in the way meatloaf, I mean, that one album, and he, I know he tried to strike it twice, but that Bad Out of Hell album is very unbelievable and operatic, and this sounds like it's heading that direction, like that, like the, you know, maybe Jim Steinman was kind of listening to this type of music back then and saying we should take it a little further. I mean, I think they did what Queen was doing and, you know, people like Billy Joel, uh, you know, in this this album in particular, Piano Man, lots of the songs, even the, the first one we ever did. Uh, what's the one that I like? The uh, Cold Spring Harbor? No, no, the first the Piano Man album. The first the song Maud, on Piano Man? The Maud one, the Maud one. Ain't No Crime? Yeah, Ain't No Crime. It's very similar in that sense. And it's kind of building operatic fashion. Then Meatloaf would take it to this, you know, next level, you might say. Yeah. I think if Meatloaf did this song, it wouldn't even have these like the soft verses that Billy Joel does. I feel like Meatloaf couldn't even do that. He'd have to go bombastic the whole way through the song. I don't think he has any soft moments like that. But again, it's another epic example that even a bad Billy Joel song, which this is not, is still better than other people's good songs. And that's the way I definitely look at this song. How could you not like a song with lyrics like with some money in her pocket? She's a rocket on the 4th of July. How good (laughs) is that line? (laughs) Reminds me of that Queen song. uh, I'm a rocket man. Yeah, don't stop me now. Yeah, don't stop me now. That's what those lyrics reminded me of as soon as I uh, I heard them. But it's still weird, though. He, I know he he was playing this in Nashville. He played it live, I guess, recently. And he was trying to write. He he was explaining to the audience. He was trying to. I mean, it makes sense to play this in Nashville. He was trying to write a country song. You know, he changes it to more of a country song when he's in Nashville. Doesn't sound that way on the album using that country guitar. I don't know why he's obsessed with country music. Stop. It was of the time, really. It was 1973. You had what are you talking about? Eagles. You had Neil Young Harvest. Everyone was doing country rock. He he was living out there. He had to do it. I guess maybe maybe you got something to it. But yeah, and these like later live versions like that one in 2014, he like kind of sings it with a little bit more of a twang also than he puts on the album. He gives it a bit more country. Well, I was surprised I saw him doing this song at MSG in 2018. Yeah, yeah, he did it a lot in 2018 at MSG. Did you see the one where he gives a pretty long intro to it, actually? I, I saw that because as soon as he said, well, I went out to California and the audience just starts booing. Yeah, that was the one I watched. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and he said, well, the weather's better there than it is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he even had a comeback for the booze. Yeah. It was very impressive. Now, I'm just going to ask you straight out, Alon, is this another song about Elizabeth Weber? I swear to God, I can't handle it anymore. We got to meet this woman. Yeah, it's got to be about her, at least partially, because she was married to John Small. She fled across country with Billy Joel and with her kid to California. So they drove cross country to California. And then John Small had to hire his family, hired private detectives to get the kid back. They got to they got to them in the middle of the night and took her and the kid back to New York until they could straighten things out. I didn't know that. Yeah, there was this whole like crazy thing that went on. That makes Billy the bad guy in that uh, scenario. Yeah, kind of. Right. Well, I don't know. It's like she's the one who like took her kid across country. And didn't tell her husband where yeah, she was Billy going. Joe was involved. Yeah, he, he was probably like, wait, no. I thought you I thought you talked to him already. What's going on here? Yeah, it's just like right out of um, Casino. James Woods take uh, Sharon Stone and that kid. Yeah. And we take the is. only thing and he's pointing that means something to him. That's such a funny scene too. that kid keeps you know sticking out her tongue and he's like, you better stop it. <laughs> <laughs> So it says so it's it's basically he describes a woman who tried for years to be a good wife, but ultimately chooses to leave her husband, not necessarily because he's a bad guy, but because it didn't work out. 
So she heads out west to California, but will first make a stop in Nevada to get a quick divorce. Yeah. A lot of information in this song. Right. That's what you had to do back then. I guess divorce was not legal in a lot of states. So you had to go to Reno and live there for a certain amount of time to prove that you were a resident. Like a oh, oh is weeks. that right? Oh, yeah. You have to do like a residency and like hang out. And then you'd be like, hey, I look, so I live here now. Can I divorce this lady? Wow. I can't believe that's what it took. I uh, I didn't really. Well, I mean, maybe that's what it takes still now. I mean, you can't just get a quickie divorce anywhere, can you? I don't know. And how are you going to get a divorce if uh, the third party uh, or the first party doesn't isn't doesn't know anything about it? Maybe it was like a one sided thing where you're just like, hey, I did it. You didn't need to be here for this. Maybe. I mean, do they both have to consent? Can't one person just say I'm getting a divorce? Isn't that? Well, yeah, I guess they have to hand you with papers. You can't really get divorced. Somebody has to sign the other side of the papers and everything. So, yeah, I don't know. And quite frankly, you know, this is like, I guess, another traveling road song. Which again, I don't know why he's so into country, but well, that's like the whole album. And Piano Man is full of traveling road songs. Yeah, the opening song is "Travel and Prayer," and then uh, "You're My Home" is a road song. The ballad of Billy the Kid is a road song. Why? Why is "Worst Comes to Worst," which we didn't do yet, is a road song? "Stop in Nevada" is a road song. And then he does a whole other album of this nonsense a second (laughs) time. What the hell's the matter with him? No, no, on "Street Life Serenade," he's staying put. It's still country. Yeah, but that's still country, though. It's like, what the hell? What is it with this guy? He thought he was going to make it as a country singer. It's very odd that he actually worked it all out. <laughs> you think about like, no, I just want to make an album of country tunes, Western traveling, stuff like that. You know? Yeah. No, well, I don't he, know. I don't know, Billy. I don't know. <laughs> Got to give him credit for trying. He said that in one of the interviews. He was like, I just like to try different things. Well, that's definitely for sure. Uh, did you hear that uh, cover from those girls? Yeah. R&B cover by uh, what are they called? The Three Degrees. The Three Degrees, 70s girl band. Very cool. Yeah, well, it's weird because, you know, I didn't know who they were. And then when I saw what they were famous for, I'm like, oh, my God, I know that song really well. What song is that? It's called When Will I See You Again? And I knew it right away. I'm like, it's like, ah, ah, when will I mean, I remember it as a kid. Meanwhile, if you watch this song, these girls, the three degrees, it's a very funky cover of this song. It's really good. He always found it hard to take me. I wouldn't listen to his advice. He never, never tried to make me. Sometimes I thought.
I, I don't know where they found it. It's uh, you know, fascinating that anybody would find it and cover it. And it was, I think they covered it years later after the album, maybe two or three years after the album was put out. But they, for the When Will I See You Again, this uh, legendary 70s song, they have an unbelievable music video from it that's clearly on some sort of 70s TV show that could really be made into a video today. Uh, I could see an artist who's kind of cool doing something like even the weekend or something, this video, you got to see it. It's so fascinating. The three girls are sitting on a chair in a studio and it's like all these people are just staring at them, which doesn't look like a fun club. People are smoking. The audience doesn't seem right for these three girls. They're old. They seem out of touch, but they circle around and the girls have to circle in their chairs as the camera circles around the entire place. It was a very, good video for a time when they weren't making videos and a very easy job to do it all in one take. And you think it was cool like for someone to do it today because it has like a retro look to it? Yes, I do. Yes. If you watch it, you'll see what I mean when you see this woman just nobody's smiling. Nobody. They're just sitting there. It's very uh, avant garde and people are smoking. It's 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 intense. It's cool. Do you think they told them, like, look, just pretend you're disinterested and you're just observing and you're just smoking and you don't even really pay attention to the music? I don't know. I think back then they might have, but I, I don't like when you see the crowds that's there, it's I don't maybe it was in Vegas or something. It's all like old people and it just doesn't add up. But there's still a major coolness about it that I really enjoyed about just the video, let alone the song. And those girls, I, I didn't know it was like three. I mean, I know that song so well. Oh, <laughs> I, I can remember it so well. I had no idea it was these girls. And then they do a Billy Joel cover of an obscure song. It's fascinating. It's kind of like the opposite of Shameless because Shameless Billy Joel wrote as like a Jimi Hendrix song. And then it became a country song. And this was a country song that then became like these three black girls doing it. So it's like an Ooh, R&B thing. That's an interesting take to it. I guess you saw that Billy says, I wanted to write a song, you know, where I mean, he says this all the time, but from uh, like a guy, like a Jimmy Webb song, right? He says that now nobody knows who the hell Jimmy Webb is unless you do. No, I don't know. I didn't know who he was. And he always says it. He says it in every interview. I want to do a Jimmy Webb song. And, you know, this guy, he knows all the obscure musicians that nobody's ever heard of. Well, what I wanted, to, I wanted to make it like a Gordon Lightfoot song. We're like, all right, have a good time with that. Right. But this Jimmy Webb, I gave him a look see. He's a very interesting fella. He was a huge songwriter, you know, with the like where you can see where Billy would be obsessed because that's what he technically says he wants to be, even though mm -hmm. he could have completely given people his songs, but he never did. So I don't know what he's talking about all the time at this point, because he's like, well, I ever wanted to be was really a songwriter. I thought that's what it was going to go for me. And then, of course, he doesn't give anybody any songs to do. That's like an audio songbook. It's like, this is what they sound like. <laughs> but apparently many musicians are obsessed with this guy and his songwriting shows. He wrote, he wrote up, up and away in my beautiful balloon. I mean, this guy had been around for years <laughs> and you ready for this? Yeah. So he, so Billy writes this song in 1973 and, you know, he writes it thinking about this guy, but he doesn't know the guy in like, I don't know, 2018. This guy, Jimmy Webb, is at MSG as a guest, and he meets his wife backstage at one. At the, I'm sorry, it was at the Millennium concert. 
It was 1999 or 2000, I guess. Uh-huh. And and he invited Jimmy Webb, and then he met his wife there. And he's married to her to this day. At the, they met at the Billy Joel. Oh, concert. his new his current wife. Yeah, he met because of Jimmy Webb. No, no, Jimmy Webb met his wife there. Oh, <laughs> I thought I thought Billy Joel met his wife there. No, so not only did like Billy Joel say, "Hey, why don't I'm a big fan of yours. Come to my show." You know, uh, but, you know, then he hooked him. Then he was always like, you know, I even got to meet my wife at Billy Joel. I love Billy Joel. It sounds like a fortune cookie. You will find true love at a Billy Joel concert. But it's funny because he says, well, you know, a lot of his songs are those up, up and away, which is ridiculous. This guy is usually known for what he's what he calls is the sort of the crushed, lonely hearts thing, which I guess, you know, at that point, Billy was all about. He said he says. The first part of a relationship is usually that white hot center when all the happy songs come. When that's gone, it can be devastating. And that's when the sorrowful songs come. And one of the songs he wrote, which is probably where Billy got this from, is called By the Time I Get to Phoenix. So Uh. I'm pretty sure Billy heard that. And then he was like, well, I'll just change Phoenix to Nevada and we'll just call it a day. (laughs) (laughs) Done and done. Now, where's that bottle of wine? (laughs) Where are my clams? Waiter, my clam. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was saying that if he's taking a trip to Nevada, this is a song about him taking this trip with Elizabeth and the kid to Nevada, that in 1973, those interstates that easily go to Nevada, like Interstate 15 and 80, hadn't been completed. So it was probably a much more interesting trip than we could imagine because they just didn't have the proper interstates going out there back then. They weren't ready like it is now. Yeah, well, it's like everyone talks about Route 66. You know, there are songs about it, how historic that was. And that wasn't a big interstate. It was a pretty small highway. But now that's been defunct because of the interstate. So besides where, you know, we mentioned that I had seen him play this live, which I was so surprised 2018. What are the live stats of this particular ditty? Yeah, so not a lot. He's played it 16 times. The 79th times. That's it. Yeah. Wow. 79th most played song, 16 times. He played it for 10 straight shows between 2017 and 2018. He really got in a kick. Wow. And he hasn't played it since 2018. In the 70s, he rarely played it. We have um, we have audio from him playing it in Memphis in 1974, when at the end of that song, he says, I like playing that song. That's fun. And then also he played it at Carnegie Hall in 74, his first time at Carnegie Hall. Uh, he never played it in the 80s, never played it in the 90s. Wow. But he's always wow. liked it. He said it, actually, I think in the 2018 one, when he was talking about the song, he said, this is a song off that album that doesn't get played that much. It was not a hit single, but one I really liked doing and recording. It's interesting because we always talk about how he should pick out these, you know, obscure ones and just play them. And then he did, you know, for, for a year. So I don't know. I keep thinking if we go to a show, maybe we'll get an obscure one that's just in the mix of the time. So he is doing what we want him to do. I guess. And I don't know if this is the only one because this is a real obscure one. I mean, I don't think he goes. This is this is it. I mean, the fact that he played this all of 2018 is weird, right? This is the yeah. most of this is up there with December song in many ways. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was recorded at least. So it has that over December song. Right. But yeah, it's like I guess it has two things going for it. It's kind of the country song. So if he was in some kind of country mood for some reason, it gets back in his mind. And apparently he has fond memories of recording it. So maybe it's just that, like he remembers the process and his youth. And that's why he wanted to play it again. Yeah. But out of all the songs we've talked about over a hundred songs, 
this is the one. I mean, this is the the one he has bought back completely out of obscurity. I mean, this isn't like sleeping with the television on, which is, you know, we love and it's not it's obscure, but it's not obscure. This is obscure. And to do it that many times, I could see playing it once. This is this is interesting. I mean, I wish maybe there is a chance for him to do more of stuff like this. If you're saying he did around 2018, then COVID happened. Maybe takes another one that we that we haven't gotten to yet or something and uh, picks it up and dusts it off. Let's hope there's got to be more. He's got to do it. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? I do. As we discussed, (laughs) ready for this long involved uh, one, which only has one answer. As we discussed in 1976, the three degrees would perform a terrific cover of Stop in Nevada. Interestingly, five years earlier, these lovely ladies would cover a song from this Jimmy Webb character that Stop in Nevada is styled upon entitled Everybody Gets to Go to the Moon. The Three Degrees ladies performed this song in a legendary movie that was released exactly one month after Cold Spring Harbor and ended up winning Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Screenplay that year. Name the movie. The Godfather? No, you're one year off. Chinatown? That never won Best Picture. It lost to Godfather 2. Urban Cowboy? No, that never won Best Picture. And that's What am I thinking of? That's not right at all, right? Uh, You're thinking of Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. Yes. That's the year before or two years before. You're right there. It did win something, right? Okay. What? But that did win something, didn't it? Yes. Midnight Cowboy won it all in 69. Patton won in 70. Godfather won in 72. Sting in 73. Godfather 2 in 74. That's Um, off the top of my head. So you're just missing the one. Right in between. Is it and the French a- Connection? Yes! <laughs> I got it? You got it. I was Good. about to give you this, this horrible hint, and uh, which wouldn't have helped you at all, but it, but it has this in it. One of the actors who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor that year would go on to play a Long Island police chief in a huge Long Island <laughs> beach movie. Yeah, that wouldn't have helped. The movie is Jaws. Oh, Roy Scheider. <laughs> That's right. You got everything today. And uh, what Gene Hackman, right? He plays Jimmy, Jimmy Brogan. Yes. French connection. You know, I've always liked Billy Joel. I don't mind telling you. And we had uh, the three degrees were playing in the club when I uh, walked over. It's Popeye Doyle. Popeye Doyle. Yeah. And you might remember me. You might remember me from Superman Four: the quest for peace. (laughs) Package. Uh, (laughs) The Royal (laughs) Tenenbaums. Wait, so he was Popeye Doyle. Who's Jimmy Brogan? What was he I in? No idea. Isn't that a guy from one of those? He's like one of those other cop movie guys. Yeah, exactly. Jimmy Brogan was a comic who used to work on The Tonight Show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what it is. He's a comedian. <laughs> well, Alan, do you have a trivia question for me? Yes, I do. My trivia question is about notable people who have gone to Reno to get a divorce. Nice. So here's one of them. What notable person divorced his first wife in Reno in 1956 so he could marry Marilyn Monroe three weeks later? Joe DiMaggio? No. All right, give me another. Arthur Miller. Yes. Nice. Second guess. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I mean, there's only, well, how many other marriages do you have? Probably one or two others. I didn't think it was Joe DiMaggio, but that's the first one that came up with my head. But do you have another one, too? Uh, Yeah, I could do another one. Okay, 
what famous movie monster classic character actor guy also went to Reno for a divorce? That's not worded very well, but you'll get it. Yeah, that's, um, I think I get it. Boris Karloff. No, Bella Lugosi. Yes, Bella that's Lugosi. What I, that's what I meant to say. Yes. So you did word it fine. <laughs> movie monster character guy. <laughs> but listen, I need the divorce now. Elon, <laughs> I need to get rid of this woman. She's horrible. <laughs> Remember when Gilbert used to do that? Oh, yeah, there it is. Bell Lugosi, 1929, way back when. 1929. One, two, <laughs> three. <laughs> three marriages ruined. Uh, here's another one that you'll like. What actor was so fed up with his wife that he wanted to trade places with a single guy and got a divorce in Reno. It's it's not Dan Aykroyd? No. It's Eddie Murphy? No. You said trade places. You don't mean tr- the movie Trading Places. Do you mean Jonathan Silverman from the single guy TV series? No, I mean from the movie Trading Places, one of the old guys. Oh, Don Amici? The other one. Ralph Bellamy. Yeah, him. <laughs> How about that? Right off the top of my head, you gotta like that. First try, amazing. Wow. Ralph Bellamy. So 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 basically what you're saying is besides who was oh oh right. Uh all this is what was happening in the 1920s and 30s. You'd have to go to Reno. Yeah, everyone. Big big shots, little shots. Everyone was doing it in Reno. Wow. Alan, I can't even remember how this song goes in my head. I have no idea how you're going to parody this. Well, when where there's a will, there's a way. My I parody. Can't picture, I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't picture the song. I don't know anyway. why. Like when I hear it, I can get it, but I still can't memorize it. It's not in my head yet. Picture you're on the road listening to country music on Route 66. And then on the radio comes a song. Stop at McDonald's. See, they're McDonald's. I'm McDonald's. He always eats food that is greasy. He wouldn't listen to advice. He's on the highway feeling queasy. He has to go. He'll roll the dice. Oh, and now he's heading for the nearest rest stop. But the bathroom's closed and he might shit his pants tonight. So he says a little prayer and decides to use the one at McDonald's. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> hey now. It is funny when he got to that part, I was like, bam, ba da da da. That part I Power chords. So good, but I can't remember where it comes unless you sing it. So that's pretty good. And of course, obviously, I like talking about, um, you know, diarrhea. So and sometimes it's, it's a like sketchy, a sketchy bathroom, but you just have to use it. Bam, ba da da da. See, he's always got an answer. Picks it up. He's like, well, this song ain't that great, but we'll put in this. He's Billy Joel. He's the greatest. Stop in Nevada. Thursdays. (laughs) (laughs) Billy Joel with a married woman. And they're taking a stop in Nevada. Yeah, see, that's the BJ and the bear thing that I was talking about last week. It's it's Billy and uh, a, a talking orangutan and his wife. And they're heading across country in a big truck. Yeah, they have to get to Nevada, but the the husband's chasing them also. So it's kind of a little Smokey and the Bandit kind of thing. Right, a little Sheriff Lobo action. 
Fair Enterprises, we hold anything anywhere is BJ McKay. BJ's mixing business with pleasure with his new lady partners. Come on, BJ, we can handle it. It's Smokey and the Bandit times seven. Oh, yes. And even the law can't slow them up, because there ain't no stopping them now. BJ and the Lady Truckers, Tuesday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. The end of the chorus when he goes goodbye, goodbye is like our one of our favorite unreleased tracks. Bye bye. Where's my lady? Oh, where the whole chorus is just him going bye bye. That was only like two years before this. He probably had, was like in his head. Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. And I haven't released it. So why not? Still no one will know. Yeah. No one will ever find this song 50 <laughs> years from now. Except those two Jews from Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll surely not do a whole podcast about it. That would be crazy. Listen, Billy, we don't mind telling we've stumbled onto something that you might find interesting. And we've called an attorney and we were just wondering your thoughts. Elizabeth Weber sent us. <laughs> Hello, Billy. Are you are you there? <laughs> well, folks, that was Stop in Nevada. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. So make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you familiar with the song When Will I See You Again? Are you surprised that those ladies showed up in the French Connection? Oh. <laughs> Is that them being murdered? <laughs> Do you hear the meatloaf influence? Would you be happy to see Billy play this live? And where do you go for a quickie divorce? Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z.